All right, tonight, back to Tertullian on baptism. What chapter are we on? Chapter 17. Here we go. What's this chapter called? Of the power of conferring baptism. What I am going to attempt to do, I don't know if this is going to work, because things did not work out so well this afternoon. Uh, I was going to try to go back over these the chapter a little bit and try to just determine which parts that I really, really wanted us to focus on and kind of skip anything else. But I guess this morning there was a problem with the audio. got split into two parts, so then I had to download both parts, then try to put the parts together, then try to upload the part. Then I found out another platform had saved the entire thing, not broken in, so I had to and it was in a video format, so I had to download that in a video format, then convert it to an audio format, then try to upload it back to all at each individual site. So it's been that's all I did all afternoon was trying to fix that. So that my goal was to just kind of go, okay, some of this stuff we realize some of the things he's talking about, well, we can at least agree with this that when we're reading Tertullian, some of the things he mentions. At times, we don't really know exactly what he's talking about, right? Sometimes the paragraphs are extremely perplexing or confusing that can lead like, well, I think it's reading this way. I think it's reading this way. What I'm going to try to do, if we come across any of that, unless I feel like it has a major implication on what we're doing, because what we're just, what, the main thing we care about is what? And this, why are we reading Tertullian? Just to see what he had to say about baptism. So if there's anything that I think this is not going to help, then I'm just going to move on, okay? If you think, wait, 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 we have to figure that out, then tell me and we'll just spend the time that we need to. But I'm going to try to go through and see what we can find and and see if we can advance it a little faster. Because I think we've got a pretty good idea by this point of where he is. But there's going to be a couple of things, hopefully, that will be important, all right? But here we go. Chapter what? 17 of the power... Uh, of conferring baptism. For concluding our brief subject, now please note, he's saying for concluding our brief subject, and how many more chapters does he have to go? Three more. So just when, when any time a preacher says in conclusion, there, there's three more chapters coming, okay, right? When I say, okay, I'm going to conclude with, what do you know? Nobody move, nobody close their Bibles, because that doesn't mean that I'm ending. All right, see, and, I've, and I have church history to back up that practice, okay? All right, there you go, all right? Not that I agree with anything else that he says, but I agree with him there. All right, for concluding our brief subject, it remains to put you in mind also of the due observance of giving and receiving baptism, of giving it the chief priest, who is the bishop, has the right in the next place the presbyters and deacons yet not without the bishop's authority on account of the honor of the church, which being preserved, peace is preserved. Now stop right here. There's a lot that we could talk about, but the main thing, what, what, what jumps out at you right there in that little sentence? For, yeah, people are being referred to as priest. All right, that's important, correct? Right? You have bishop, you have authority, you have a church structure, which a lot of people would believe at this point in time did not what? Exist. 
Hey, now, that would give very much support for people like Catholics or Greek Orthodox going, see, you need this structure, you need this structure, you need this structure. And I do agree that, look, if it was up to me, we would have some kind of structure. But the point is, once you look at the Catholic Church, you're like, well, if, this is, if the Scriptures are the authority, then that authority and this authority are not in agreement, so what do you do? Well, the only problem is we throw out all of that authority and we think this is the authority, then we become the authority, and well, we know all the problems that has erupted in 2,000 years of church history. But there's a lot there uh, that I think is interesting, all right? So, uh, of giving it, so when, it, when he says giving it, what he's referring to? Doing the baptizing, the one who gives the baptizing, is to be the chief priest, who is the bishop, has the right. Who's next? Presbyters and deacons, yet not without the bishop's authority on account of the honor of the church. When it says on account of the honor of the church, meaning like it, baptism is given to whom? The church, and it must be done in a way that honors the church. Okay, so it's in other words, trying to protect it in some way. Okay, um, which being preserved, uh, which being preserved, peace is preserved. And I think what, what peace do you think he's referring to there? I think he's referring to peace in the church because there's a, there's a structure, there's a structure, right? That you're trying to protect that. Or at least I, I think that that's kind of where he's going. Besides these, even laymen have the right for what is equally received can be equally given. Unless bishops or priests or deacons be on the spot, other disciples are called to the work. So in other words, a layman can do it if what happens? If no other people are present. Now, this would make sense based off his theology. Right? Because if Baptism, well, I mean, I know he's kind of gone back and forth, but if you believe baptism is essential for salvation, then anybody and everyone, based on an emergency circumstance, has to have the right. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. So at least they're being consistent here. Agreed? All right. Um, The word of the Lord ought not to be hidden by any, and like manner to baptism which is equally God's property, can be administered by all. But how much more is the rule of reverence and modesty incumbent on laymen, seeing that these powers belong to their superiors? Lest they assume to themselves the specific function of the bishop. Emulation of the Episcopal office is the mother of schisms. That's interesting. When it says emulation of the Episcopal office is the mother of schisms, what do you think he's, he means there? Right. So when the average layperson starts basically acting like that they're the priest or they're in charge, it's the mother of schisms. Because why is it going to be the mother of schisms? Why is it going to give birth to schisms? Because there can't be two people in charge. And so that, like, and that happens about anything. It doesn't matter the doctrine. It doesn't matter if it's baptism. If one is preaching one thing and someone basically wants to emulate like they're in charge and says, no, that's not right, what's the, what's the option? Either the pastor has to say, okay, well, you're right. I'll, I'm just going to pack up my Bible now and you take over the pulpit, right? And then they find someone 
to fill the pulpit that will meet their de demands, right? Or the pastor is like, I'm not going anywhere, and they have to go. It's just sad, but <laughs> that's what happens. That's what happens. And in a, a roundabout way, yeah, I mean, I, I, wish, I wish it wasn't the case, but I mean, schisms have been around forever. All right, the most holy apostle has said that all things are lawful, but not all expedient. Let it suffice assuredly in cases of necessity to avail yourself of that rule. If at any time, circumstance either of place or of time or of a person compels you so to do, for then steadfast courage of the succorer when the situation of the endangered one is urgent is exceptionally admissible, insomuch as he will be guilty of a human creature's loss if he shall refrain from bestowing what he had free liberty to bestow. All right. A little wordy, but let's go through this. Let it suffice assuredly in case of necessity. So in other words, hey, this, it's, we got to do something right now. To avail yourself of that rule. What rule? That anybody can do it. If at any time circumstances, either a place or of time, or of a person compels you to do, so to do, for then the steadfast courage of the succorer, right, someone trying to obtain this help, right, when the situation of the endangered one is urgent, is exceptionally admissible, insomuch as he will be guilty of a human creature's loss if he shall refrain from bestowing what he had free, free liberty to bestow. In other words, if you don't help, you're not, and you're guilty of human loss because you've got to help this person. Possible death, right? Uh, well, I don't feel you're, you're definitely going to be guilty of that person supposedly dying. Right. You're going to be guilty somehow of this person's loss. So I don't know if you will go to hell, but you're guilty of basically sending the other person to hell. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. The other person appears that I mean, I mean, that would be consistent because he says baptism is what? Necessary for salvation. So like if Bobby needs to. Yeah, if, if Bobby doesn't get baptized, I'm guilty of human loss. I, that person is, well, going to go to hell from, from everything that he has given us so far. I mean, I know he's tried to make exceptions, but for every exception, he tries to kind of backtrack. But, but, but again, it would be a consistent concept. It would be a consistent concept. Put it this way. I, 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 admire, I admire this stance more than I admire him trying to make exceptions. Like, I don't, like when it comes to a church of Christ, I can't stand when they're like, well, you know, yes, baptism is nece necessary, but in this situation, or in this situation, or in this situation, no, there can't be exceptions. If baptism is necessary, it's necessary. It's like saying, I have the same problem when it comes to a young person dying. Because we say, people are saved by, Faith, and then someone can die without faith and go, well, you know, they were only this age. It, it, it can't work that way. Either faith is required or it's not required. Either baptism is required 
or it's not. So if you're going to say baptism is required, then anyone who's not baptized goes where? To hell. End of story. And he's tried to make exceptions, but here he seems to kind of revert back to saying, got to be baptized, right? So I, 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 it's crazy, all right? So, but, uh, but the woman of pertness, who has usurped the power to teach, will of course not give birth for herself, likewise to a rite of baptizing, unless some new beast shall arise. All right, that was interesting. I'm thinking maybe talking about the Canaanite woman, because she definitely became kind of a leader of the, of the heresy. So let's go through that again. All right, so, but the woman of pertness, pertness means what? Anybody know? I want to make sure we have a good idea of what he's saying here. Okay, all right, so basically she's, she has, that, that her character led her to basically usurp the power to teach, right? She had this character to say, I'm going to teach, I'm going to teach, I'm going to teach, all right? Which once again, let's just realize, because I find it funny, because a lot of times now if, if a woman does that, people are like, well, women today are out of control. This is in the 200s and he's warning about what? Because guess what's true of all of us? We've all been out of control. Since when? Since the fall. All right, so that's just, I just sometimes I can't say when people are like, well, back in my day. Well, it's, it, like, right, it, we see it right here. So she usurped the power to teach. Will, of course, now this is an interesting line. Will, of course, not give birth for herself. Likewise to a rite of baptizing. Unless some new beast shall arise. I, I'm, I'm just trying to follow through this. Like the former, so that just as the one abolished baptism, so some other should in her own right confer it. I think that's what, I, I think that's what he, yeah. That, does that, does everyone seem to that, think that that's kind of what he's saying? One woman tries to, do it, another, or t- take it away, another one does it? What do we think? Another woman, right. So in other words, there's, like, there's one woman who's tried to get rid of it, but another woman could arise to try to confer it. Right, okay. Either way, Right, but I'm just making sure we at least have an idea of what he's trying to say here, Okay. But if the writings which wrongly go under Paul's name, now this is interesting, but if the writings which wrongly go under Paul's name. So he's obviously referencing here that there was some work, right? Um, I think, it, I, I don't know exactly, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but there was, a, there was a, obviously a letter floating around that claimed to be from Paul. Now remember, this is very important, because it is true in the early church, there was a lot of this, right? There are all these letters and books floating around, claiming to be written by this person or this person or this person or this person, and then the church had to determine what? Which was authentic or which was going to be Scripture and which was not going to be Scripture, right? Does that make sense? 
Right? So there was a writing out there that claimed to be from Paul. And what did it say? That claim, and what's this person's name? How, what do we want to refer to this person as? Thecla's example as a license for women's teaching and baptizing. Let them know that in Asia, the pres- presbyter who composed that writing as if he were argumenting Paul's fame from his own store after being convicted and confessed that he had done it from love of Paul was removed from his office. So whoever wrote this, what happened to him? They, they ended up excommunicated. They were removed from their, or at least disciplined and removed from their office. For how credible would it seem that he, would, he who has not permitted a woman even to learn with overboldness should give a female the power of teaching and baptizing. Let them be silent, he says, and at home consult their own husbands. So the main thing he wants to know there is, if we want to break it down, how can we summarize this chapter? Who has the power to baptize? The, pri- the priest or the, the bishop? All, and, and then presbyters and deacons. If for some reason they're not there, laymen, in case of emergency, basically... Anyone, but not women, okay? Not women, okay? Women, women can't. Now, I don't know what, I wonder if, is he even, do you think he's prohibiting even women in case of an emergency? What do you think? As strong as he is about the women there, I, I don't think he even wants the women doing it in case of emergency. I don't know. He seems not, he's not too happy with women taking this, on upon themselves. Agreed? All right, next chapter. If my thing will change. All right, we are in chapter what now? 18, and what's this one called? Okay, and I'm hoping, oh man, it's a long chapter. Okay. Oh boy, I want to get to the next ones where I really want to go, but okay. All right, here we go. Of the persons to whom and the time when baptism is to be administered. But they whose office it is know that baptism is not rashly to be administered. Give to everyone who beggeth thee. Now, this is important. Now, this is important, okay? Remember, we, we had a long discussion about this, yes? And remember, I said we, we have to ask this question. Does baptism... Produce, or does baptism demonstrate or reflect? Remember that? Yes, remember we had this long discussion? Okay, well, isn't it weird that he like, hey, don't rashly administer it. Don't. Wait till someone begs for it. Now, wouldn't that be weird? If baptism is the thing that produces it, why would you wait someone to beg for it? Because what's causing them to beg for it? Their faith? Well, does baptism produce the faith or is baptism done in obedience to the faith? Would everyone agree that's an important distinction? All right, now what does he have to say here? But they whose office it is know that baptism is not rashly to be administered. Give to everyone who beggeth thee has a reference of its own appertaining especially to almsgiving. On the contrary, this precept is rather to be looked at carefully, 
Give not the holy thing to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine. And lay not hands easily on any, share not other men's sins. Now, the, the thing is, all of these references he's quoting, none of them are about baptism. But he's applying it to baptism. But here's the thing I'm just confused about. Don't cast your pearl before a swine. But if the person is a swine, isn't it baptism that's supposedly going to wash away their sin and turn the swine into a sheep? See, that's what I'm confused about. If baptism is going to produce this, then why would I wait for them to ask? I would be begging them to get baptized. It's it's really weird that when you read all of Tertullian, doesn't he seem to fluctuate between what that baptism does something? Like, uh, at certain times he seems to act like it's the thing that produces it. But now he's telling us to be careful not to give it. What would, what, if you believe baptism was the thing that produces faith or the thing that washes away sins, why would you be hesitant to give it out? Wouldn't you be handing it out to anyone and everyone you could find? You would just be like, hey, 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 look, you don't ever have to come to church. Just stop by and let us throw some water on you. Why? Because you're guaranteed to go to heaven. Well, obviously he doesn't believe you're guaranteed to go to heaven and you have to wait until someone begs. It seems so... I I don't understand the logic. Let's see where he, he goes here, right? If Philip so easily baptized the Chamberlain, let us reflect that a manifest and conspicuous um, evidence that the Lord deemed him worthy had been interposed. The spirit had enjoined Philip to proceed to that road. The eunuch himself, too, was not found idle, nor is one who was suddenly seized with an eager desire to be baptized. But after going up to the temple for prayer's sake, being intently engaged on the divine scripture, was thus suitably discovered to whom God had unasked, sent an apostle, which one again, the spirit bade, adjoined, adjoined himself, to the Chamberlain's chariot. Now, we know which story he's referring to, right? It's in the book of Acts. Okay? And, you know, Philip shows up and the person gets baptized. He's saying now, because he baptized him relatively quick, right? And so he's, well, we got to explain. There's all this other stuff was going on. The Lord had prepared him, so he was ready. He was ready. But the thing is, like, do you see how subjective this becomes? Like, so I have to look at someone and go, I mean, Philip shows up there and, and within a, a, a relatively short amount of time, at least from the textual standpoint, he's getting baptized. He's baptizing the guy. Well, you can say, well, yeah, but all of this other stuff was going on. But how am I going to know all of that other stuff is going on? If someone wants to get baptized, how am I supposed to go, well, we need to determine if God's really been working on you. Which doesn't make any sense, because if baptism is the thing that produces it, why wouldn't you just hurry up and baptize them? Because then that's God working on them. It's almost like he wants proof of what before baptism? Salvation. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> that, that almost argues against his entire position, does it not? I think so. All right, um... The scripture which he was reading falls in and opportunely with his faith. 
Philip being requested is taken to sit, sit beside him. Their Lord is pointed out, faith lingers not, water needs no waiting, for the work is completed and the apostle snatched away. But again, it sounds like that what's, wait, what's there is faith is what's required. So if faith is the thing required before baptism, then it's not the baptism that produces the faith. Which, once again, we, we seem to be going in circles. Now, what is he going to say next? But Paul, too, was in fact speedily baptized. For Simon, uh, his host, speedily recognized him to be appointed a vessel of election. God's approbation sends sure... Uh, prim on, uh, what's this word? Premonitory? Tokens before it. Uh, it what's, uh, anybody know what that word means? Premonitory, if I can say the word. Premonitory, thank you. Premonitory, can we look it up and see really quick? Okay, because it says premonitory, premonitory tokens before it, like almost like some kind of uh, payment beforehand. There we go. So he was giving this almost like an assurance, uh, like a premonition, there we go, like a premonition, like something was going to happen. Uh, before it, every petition may both deceive and be deceived. That's interesting. Every petition may both deceive and be deceived. Hmm. What do you think he means by that? Yeah, so, because he sends sure premonition, if I can say, premonition, there we go. He sends a premonition, I I like that, we'll just go with that word, tokens before it, but every petition may both deceive and be deceived. What do y'all feel he's trying to say here? I have an idea, but I don't want to say it yet. What do we think? What, what, what are y'all thinking when you see it? Because he, when he says every petition, would that not be, what, what petition do you think he's referring to? The person begging for baptism. And he's seemingly to refer to that what can happen. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. A lot of individuals, but it seems to he's seemingly seeming to say. Did you have something? No. Oh, I thought you were looking at something. Okay. Um, he seems to be implying, at least to me, that hey, you got to be careful because in every petition, it could be a legitimate petition, or it could be a deceptive petition. Or am I misreading it? Okay, you, you, you agree, Bobby? Sarah, do you agree? Right. Stacy, do you agree? Or, okay, all right. Because it seems to me, saying, hey, look, look, in, these, uh, in this other situation, 
They were given, like there was information given, right? Paul was very quickly baptized, but the reason he was so quickly baptized because Simon was given this information that this is Paul, this is the, elect, the elected vessel. He had the premonition per se. He was given the tokens beforehand. But in every petition, deception can occur. So in other words, you've got to be careful before you so quick. These other cases, people were quickly baptized. Philip quickly baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. Simeon, Simon very quickly baptized Paul, but slow down because deception could occur, which makes this then even, even more very subjective, does it not? So what are we going to base it off? I think, I think we're on to something there. Don't you agree? I, I think. Now let's see where he goes with this. And so, according to the circumstance and disposition and even age of each individual, the delay of baptism is preferable. Principally, however, in the case of little children. Now, okay. Okay. Now, at, at this point, is everyone now getting extremely frustrated with Tertullian? Why, why, why would this be like almost the breaking point in dealing with it? Because he's done everything to try to tell us it's absolutely necessary, but now what is he telling us to do? Delay is preferred. It's preferable that you delay baptizing anyone. Well, wait a minute. Why would you delay if it's required for salvation? They'd be like, you know what's best? Don't, don't, don't give someone the delay before you're giving someone the gospel. Well, wait a minute. If baptism is the thing that produces the faith, you wouldn't delay. You would give it to anyone. And then he says, what are some things that should cause you to delay? Circumstances and disposition and age especially of children. For why is it necessary if it is not necessary? Now, they have baptism in parentheses there, if baptism itself. So let's read this again. How, how do you, there's a lot of debate when, we, when I first started working through Tertullian, and I, I mentioned it, and I mentioned it because this started when I read an article about baptism, and they quote this from Tertullian. And there's some debate in how we read this. All right? So, now, everything's getting ready to go off the, the train tracks here, but we need to, to work on this, all right? So, everybody with me? I need you to pay close attention to this sentence, all right? Everybody ready? Is that, a good, is that yes? Yeah. Right. For why is it necessary? He's referring to what? Baptism. If, parentheses, Baptism itself is not necessary. Okay, so y'all y- y- don't think he's throwing out baptism as being necessary here. Right. Well, and, and my addition, they have a footnote. 
The footnote reads, are you ready? Tertullian has already allowed that baptism is not indispensably necessary for salvation. So they are saying that this is acknowledging, once again, that baptism is not necessary for salvation. Because remember, I told you before that I felt like he was making exceptions that it wasn't necessary. Right? They're saying this is another example of him not making it necessary for salvation. Now, y'all may read it differently, and I understand that, but I want to just throw that, that my footnotes to the edition I'm using, literally like, hey, this is another example. And now y'all are reading it differently, and that's okay. Right, I... Right. So what, what do y'all think? I mean, y'all may be right. I'm just, I'm just letting you know what my, my, the, the footnotes that they throw in here in my edition. What do we think? Oh, no. We're going we're gonna to be stuck here. We're not going to get past this, I have a feeling. But that's good. This is maybe one of the most important sentences in the whole thing. I'll just, I'll just sit, I'll sit here and drink in the silence, okay? Oh, I, I completely agree that he definitely is going to bring in the sponsors here. Well, typically with a, parent, uh, with, a, with a baby or a child, the sponsor is the one bringing the child to be baptized. They're the sponsor. The one baptizing is not the sponsor. The sponsor wouldn't be the baptizer. But earlier he has called the baptizer sponsor, hasn't he, in one of those beforehand ones? Okay. All right. Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe if you think so. Typically, that's not the way that would go down when you're dealing with children. When you refer to a sponsor and the children, the baptizer is not the sponsor. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe the only place that it's used? Yeah, I think it's the only place. Yeah, because typically that's what happens. Someone has to sponsor the child to be baptized. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just... Yeah. No, I think he... I, I mean, I, well, I mean, put it this way. I, 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 I mean, on one hand, it would benefit me to say that he wouldn't have understood it that way because then you would basically could destroy the infant baptism wasn't happening as early as 200. But I think it's showing the practice of bringing a child for baptism and someone has to sponsor the child. Right. But y'all could be right. Yeah, for those whom they stood, they're, they're in a sense standing in the... So just to make sure I understand how y'all are approaching this. Y'all are approaching it when he says not necessary. Y'all don't believe it's referencing baptism is not necessary. 
Okay, I, I'm just trying to understand what, yeah, I'm trying to understand what, because you are... I never even got there because I was trying to figure it out without where you said, and if. Okay, you were trying to understand it without... The ellipsis, right, okay. All right, so I'm trying to make sure, I, make sure we're on the same page, make sure we're not talking past one another. Well, in some ways, but if you think about it, in some ways, he's almost making an argument baptism is not necessary for anybody because he's telling you to do what? Slow down. Don't do it. Which is why my footnote, I mean, whoever the editors were for my edition, they clearly believe he's saying it's not necessary. And in the article, the article that sparked all of this, they read it as saying, he's not saying it's necessary. But other people were like, other people after I did that broadcast was like, no, 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 no. He's not saying that. For some reason, I thought this is in the next chapter. I thought this was the next chapter. I don't know why I was confusing this. So I knew this was going to be the chapter where we would have our problems. I just thought we were going to get to the next chapter and have the problem. <laughs> it's this one. Yeah, it is this one. That's okay, though. If we can at least finish this chapter, I'll at least be halfway happy. I'm waiting to see what, how y'all are reading this. What are y'all, what are y'all thinking? I'm giving y'all the opportunity to say. She, she did a search for it. She can, there's not. It's not yeah. So it's not there. It's the only place it comes up. And so I'm going to read it as they stand in the place for the, like, in a sense, they're responsible for the baptized. That's why he's going to say, don't do this because they could grow up and become a mess and you're going to be in trouble. Now, you're right. It could be the, bapti- the one doing the baptism. But, I'd, 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 but and either way. Yeah, I mean, I mean. I, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm willing to acknowledge that we're way, going way back in time and you're very much, you're very, I mean, it's very smart to question, are we reading our understanding back into its historical context? That's very important to do in historical study, make sure we don't do that. So that's good that you brought that up. But what I'm trying to figure out is, what is he saying is possibly, is he making a reference to baptism? It's not necessary. Because if he is, or it's not so necessary, Right. Well, he's already telling you everybody to slow it down. And you don't want to put anybody in danger. Whoever the sponsor is, can we say this? Whoever the sponsor is, he's clearly saying, whoa. It's not that necessary. (laughs) And not only that, though, don't you realize what, though, I hope you see how everything is falling. I understand there's a lot of things that maybe we can't agree on. But can we all agree on this? He's destroying his main argument. Baptism clearly is not going to wash away all their sins and make them all great because he's worried that they're going to get baptized and grow up evil. In fact, I know for those listening online, I know we cut it off because I was trying to get everyone to focus on that sentence. But let's go back and now we'll read it all together, all right? 
Because I'm talking about what comes ahead because you're all sitting there reading it and those online uh, listening are going, what, what are they even talking about? So let's go through this, all right? For, uh, so he says, the delay of baptism is preferable, principally, however, in the case of little children. For why is it necessary if baptism, is, baptism itself is not so necessary? That the sponsors, likewise, should be thrust into danger. Who, both themselves by reason of mortality, may fail to fulfill their promises and may be disappointed by the development of an evil disposition. Now, which promises do you think they're referring to? Who? Which pro, those promises are referring to whom? The sponsors. Okay, now, this is why I think it's the sponsors in the way I understand it. Because the sponsor makes a promise to do what for the child? To raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, to, to and take them to church, to catechize, to do. Do what? Well, no. The, what the, the the concern is is that they're going to fail in their promises, that they're going to die, or not live up to their promises. So that's going to put them in a. Or the kid's going to be found with an evil. Does he say an evil evil disposition? Yeah, the kids, which is already bizarre. Wait a minute. Grow up with an evil disposition. They're born with the evil disposition. But okay, so, so this, there's so many theological issues here. And for those whom they stood, that's the sponsor standing in the place for the child. That's the way I, re, that's the way I understand it. Again, I could be wrong. I'm willing to acknowledge that. It's rare, but sometimes it happens. Okay, I'm joking. All right. So, may fail to fulfill their promises and may be disappointed by the development of an evil disposition and those for whom they stood. The Lord indeed say, forbid them not to come unto me. Let them come then while they're growing up. Let them come while they're learning, while they're learning whether to come. Let them become Christians where they have become able to know Christ. Or, oh wait, did I misread something? Oh, where, where did I misread it? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Let them become Christians when they have become able to know Christ. All right. Yeah. So, um, but isn't it, be, isn't it interesting? Let them become Christians? Like, don't baptize them until they become Christians. Well, wait a minute. Does baptism... How can you become a Christian without baptism if baptism is essential for... Does everyone see the problem with this whole chapter? He's like, wait, let them become a Christian before they get baptized. So basically, if we kind of go with Tertullian's view, on one hand, even though he's used all of this great language, he's almost reverted back to this position. Baptism doesn't produce it. You get saved. Baptism completes the process. It's more of a completing it. It's not the one that is producing it. But at the same time, you could be saved without it. Would you think, did everyone think that's a fair description of Tertullian's position? Well, right. I mean, earlier he seemed to imply that you say, buy it. But I'm saying he, when it's all said and done, if you re, kind of really break his position down is. Well, that's what it says here. 
I mean, he like, yeah, I mean, let them become Christians. Let them let them become Christians when they have become. Okay. All right. So, so what are you? So, how are you? I still think baptism is part of salvation. Well, that's what I. That's what I said. I. I, I just explained that. I, that I think his position is, as much as he's tried to argue at times that it's the thing that produces it, he seems now to have reverted to a position that you become saved and baptism completes it. Baptism finishes it. So baptism is required, but it's not required in producing it. It's required in completing it. Okay. I don't know because I, 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 I mean, he made it very clear that he can't, he can, he doesn't understand how someone can have this kind of faith without baptism, which seems to say it produces it. No, no, uh, no, I think what he's saying here is don't baptize until they become Christians. Until they can know Christ. And then once that happens, then you can baptize. So I'm saying that in this case, now, and now maybe, now again, you guys can read it any way you want, but I, I, I feel that most articles and everyone who deals with Tertullian on this subject believe, and maybe I don't feel this way, I believe he's made it abundantly clear that baptism washes away sins and it produces and I think that that's emphatically implied over and over and over. But then when he gets to a certain point, he almost reverts back. Going, whoa, 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 wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. Okay, you could get baptized, and it may not work. So I've got to explain what to do. Oh, so we need to be careful. We need to be careful. Well, then that makes, he, he reverts back to almost saying it doesn't produce. Now, I do believe he never changes his view that it's required, yet even though he's made exceptions, I mean, because even, even the editors of this book acknowledge that he's already made an exception that it's not necessary. So he's claimed it is necessary. He has claimed it does produce this, yet when push comes to shove, he makes exceptions that it's, not necessary, and then he reverts to saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not the thing that produces it, it's kind of the thing that completes it, which then it contradicts. So in both, he's, he's gone both ways at, at almost every single turn. At least that's my, that's my reading of it. And I'm more than willing to be corrected. Y- y'all, may be, y'all may have a, a whole different perspective, but I just don't see how you cannot see... I, 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 to me, he's made it clear. I mean, we, didn't we read today about washing away sins? Okay, well, let, let's, let's get here. All right. Why? Okay, so let them become Christians when they have become able to know Christ. Why does the innocent period of life hasten to the remission of sins? More caution will be exercised in worldly matters so that one who is not trusted with earthly substance is trusted with divine. All right. Now, what were your question here? Why does the innocent period of life hasten to the remission of sins? So he's 
Well, that, this probably goes where you can go back to church history to almost find some kind of an... Look, we can all say this. When everyone, re, when everyone was confronted with Christianity, we know we were confronted with the idea of salvation and judgment. Can everyone agree? Right, okay. We all know that it seemed to be that the way you avoid judgment was how? Salvation. Faith. So then everyone started like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? How does this work? And we know that one thing that was going to become very convoluted and complicated for everyone involved was who was dying probably in a large quantities. Children and babies. So they had to come up with what to do. All right, what to do. So one, obviously some would go with what? What possible idea could some go with? They're innocent, right? Some could just go with, we got we to gotta get them in, right? Until they can know. And then others came up with the idea of baptism, baptism. And then, then even within that, there was, there was all kinds of difficulties. Like, well, what happens to a child if they're not baptized? Some are like, well, they kind of go to a special place, right? That maybe they, they can get a second chance. Like, there was all kinds of, like, the early church was all over the place trying to figure this out. And you can't blame them, right? Why can't you blame them? Why do you think we can't blame them? Well, one, they don't have a completed canon. And even when you get a completed canon, does the Bible clearly articulate like how this plays out? Not Anyone who pretends that it does is just lying to themselves. Right? I mean, the best people can run to is like, well, when David's baby died, he said, well, I'll go be with it. Like, well, it has to be heaven. Does it, there's plenty of people who are like, that's a Hebrew idiom. And what David is saying is the baby's dead and one day I'll be dead. Like, there's nothing I can do. I can't do anything about it. I can't bring the baby where? Back to life. The baby has moved on. I'll move on. And a lot of, but we want to say, oh, see, that proves all babies go to heaven. Well, that, it doesn't prove that in any way, shape, or form. That's, David was not trying to give a soteriological argument about the afterlife of a baby. That wasn't the intent of that passage. But we, every, so every, even today, people still struggle with all of this, Right? Okay, all babies go to heaven. Most Christians will say that. Okay, but to what age? Well, it can be, I mean, it can be all the way up to 16. I've seen some people try to push it to 17. I mean, they'll put, and if it's a school shooting, everyone goes. If it's 9-11, everyone goes to heaven. Because what, what is the one thing everyone struggles with? The doctrine of hell. The only time we like the doctrine of hell it's when it refers to what? Very, very bad people. And then we're all down with it. We almost, I hate to say it, we almost celebrate it when it's really bad people. We're like, yeah, they got what they deserve. Not realizing we all deserve it if we're honest. But when it comes to anyone associated with us, everybody goes to heaven. Everyone. Yeah. I, mean, I have more hope that my dogs went to heaven than anybody in my I mean, like, if I had to choose which one went to heaven, my dogs went to heaven before people I knew. Because, I mean, I mean come on. Like, they, 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 they did the right things, okay? But, the, you, I, I mean, in all seriousness, though, it, it's an emotional thing, is it not? I mean, I got confronted with it early in my Christian life. And it messed me up. 
Right? When I'm standing there at the gravesite, my, my mom, I'm like, uh, wait a minute. And now all of a sudden, this heaven-hell stuff took on a whole different concept, right? I'm like, I mean, she went to church some. I mean, she owned a Bible. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, I'm, saying, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out at that time. And, of course, what the thing that's influencing me is MacArthur at that time. So I'm like, okay, well, clearly she didn't go to heaven. I mean, clearly. Um, no way. I mean, I, I still, I mean, I, I still, I mean, there was nothing ever said that would even make me remotely think that other than I know she went to church. I know she was baptized when she was little. Okay. But she grew up in Texas. Who wasn't baptized when they were a child in Texas, right? I mean, okay, I think it's like, you know, you're, you go to the Alamo and you get baptized. I mean, that's what happens in Texas, right? So, uh, well, see, then you're, you're, you're not saved. How have you never been? How, how is it possible that someone in this church has not been to the Alamo? How is that humanly possible? Okay, that is, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we have just discovered that we have a person inside this building who's never been to the Alamo, okay? Clearly, they're not from Texas, okay? I know, that is like, yeah, you're far more Texan than I am. How is that even humanly possible? Do I? And you've been to the Alamo. See, I mean, like, how is this? Okay. All right, we're getting way sidetracked, but okay. All right, the point is, okay. <laughs> watched the movie, right? <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, in more serious situations, is that everyone has struggles with this subject, right? And let's just be honest. I know we're having a little bit of fun, but let's be honest. It's a, nobody likes the subject, so I can understand that. You read Tertullian, you're like, well, wait a minute. Is he saying kids are innocent? Like, is, he, is he a Pelagian? Is he semi-Pelagian? Like, we're trying to put him in a theological camp. And I think the only thing that you can do with it is what? The early church struggled with what to do with young people. And has anything changed in 2,000 years? No, it hasn't. Look, you can have Christians who are the most theologically sound Christian in the world and their five-year-old or six-year-old dies, you know what's going to be preached at that funeral. That they went to, they're in the arms of Jesus, they're a little angel now. You know. Which, to me, just tells me that we care about objective truth until it objectively goes against what we want, and we will throw out objective truth in 5.2 seconds. Which just, it's just, ugh. and so I, so I, I, I'm not. I mean, I don't know what's going on here, but he, I do, I do know this. What is he trying to? Well, ultimately, whether whatever he believes about it, what is he ultimately trying to say? Wait, because it might not be, and he may be arguing that it's not necessary. If y'all want to go back to that argue, that discussion, because they don't need it, because they're in a state of innocence. Right, so then, so then he goes on to say, oh, so uh, more, and it's interesting, more caution will be exercised in worldly matters so that one who is not trusted with earthly substance is trusted with divine. In other words, we use more wisdom when it comes to worldly things than we do spiritual things because we won't give someone charge of worldly things until they're of the right age. So we shouldn't be giving people spiritual things until they're the right age. Right, so, and then he goes on to say, we're going to at least finish this chapter. Uh, where did we stop? 
Let them know how to ask for salvation. Now, once again, oh, see, now what is he back to? The asking for salvation seems to be almost in line with baptism. So now he seems to be going back to, <laughs> that is, <laughs> I, I wish he could make up his mind. Let them, let them, let them know how to ask for salvation that you may seem at least to have given to him that asketh. For no less cause must be, must be unwedded, also be deferred, and whom the ground of temptation is prepared, like and such as never were wedded, by means of their maturity, and in the widowed by means of their freedom, until they either marry or else be more fully strengthened for continence. If any understand the weighty, weight, weighty important import of baptism, they will fear its reception more than its delay. Sound faith is secure, is secure of salvation. All right. There's a lot that gets there. So, for no less cause must be unwedded, also be deferred, and whom the ground of temptation is prepared, alike and such as never were wedded. What do you think he's trying to say there? Right? Do you think he's trying to say wait until they're married or is he trying to use an analogy? Well, again, if you take out the middle, for no less cause must be unwedded, also be deferred until they either marry or else be more fully strengthened for common. Yeah, I think, okay. So he's saying if they're unwedded, wait. And why, why does he seem to be wanting to make the unwedded wait? Oh, full, oh, okay, there we go. Right, because the unwedded could fall into some kind of sexual sin, and oh, there's no way that someone who's baptized would commit a sexual... But you see, isn't that so weird? If, if baptism fixes it, then why wouldn't you want them to get it? But he's like, it's, oh, it's almost like he's almost coming close to saying, you don't get baptized until you can be what? Pretty close to sinless. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Isn't that crazy? They should fear its reception more than its delay. That getting baptized at the wrong time is more dangerous than delay, which seems to imply that then it's not required for salvation. It's almost like You've got to be saved and be perfect or close before you get it. Well, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know. What do y'all feel? Do, do you think he, I think he's been trying to show the way to import through the whole book. Right? Or no? I mean, I think in some ways he's tried to show us how important it is, but he, he seems to, for every step he takes to show us how important it is, he seems to take three steps back. Exactly. Well, well, yeah. What's the danger of not yeah, of getting it and then sinning? He hasn't seemed to. He's not seemed to tell us what happens if you get it and then you commit sin. Right. Clearly, it doesn't. I guess. 
I don't know what happens. Does, do you possibly just be eternally condemned? You'd be more scared of getting it than delaying. And it's just weird. It's so bizarre. It's, it, I mean, don't you feel like it's just all over the place? You're in trouble. Right. It's so weird. It's almost like you can have faith and you're good. But if you have faith and get baptized in sin, now you're in trouble. It's so, I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't know what to say. Other than we're going to have to... St- Okay, well, okay. That's definitely a part of it. I'm going to try to do it this way. I'm just going to try to walk through it almost in kind of chronological order, right? Baptism is a work of God that you need to have in order to be saved. And he clearly seems to indicate that it washes away your sin and it does produce something. However, however, there could be situations where you can be saved without it because he clearly implied that. However... He doesn't know of the kind of faith you could have without it, which once again seems that it produces. Yet, at the same time, he, he clearly then steps back and says, whoa, 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 whoa. Delaying is the preferable thing. Delay, 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 delay. And why should you want to delay it? Because someone could get baptized and end up doing bad stuff. And for some weird reason, that is more dangerous than not, than going without it. And so... At, at some weird thing, like, so it's necessary, but delay it. And because if you don't delay it, someone could get it and do bad things. But he doesn't clearly articulate what happens if you get baptized and you do the bad thing. He's coming very close to at least implying that basically you're going to be condemned. So get it. Don't get it. You need it. But you don't really need it. And this, and the only thing I want you to take away from this is that when people get so arrogant and condescending with you, like I had to deal with that day that I got, you know, brought into that crazy conversation that I thought was one person wanting to ask questions and it was a group of people wanting to attack me. The arrogance of them basically acting like I was an idiot because the early church all agree. Well, what in the world does Tertullian agree on? Okay, for sure. In fact, you, you, don't need, you want to wait until they're what? Married. Married. Yeah, they've got to at least have the maturity to deal with worldly things, which may mean that I don't even know if my kids who are grown are still able to handle worldly things, right? So, you know, I don't know. When, when they're 62, they could do it. But wait, what happens if they, what, was, what would happen to them if they didn't get baptized and died? Because in some cases he seemed to imply that they'd be lost, but then in some cases he implies that they may not be lost. Who knows? Like, as you, as you stated, there's certain parts here that he hasn't really explained to us exactly what happens. Like, if you're not baptized and you die, what happens? He seemed to infer that you're going to go to hell. But now he's like... Here he says, 
it's more dangerous to get it's delay. So then he's like, no, 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 no. If you get baptized in your sin, that's more dangerous. <laughs> I know. So I, I... Isn't it amazing how we went from the Didache to this? Isn't it amazing how we went? And I think, here's, and in some ways, I think what happened. He's trying to, he's trying to argue against a heresy. But he's trying to argue against a heresy without a completed canon. And he seems to be all over the place trying to figure out how to... Like, in some ways, you, would all, you almost kind of feel bad for him, right? It's like, have you ever watched someone trying to argue with a non-believer and they're a believer and, they're, and you just kind of want to just go, could you just stop? So how much does the I, I, well, I, Who knows? We'd have to figure out... Well, he makes references to certain things. But just remember how sometimes he quotes it. He only gives us like... So did he only have a fragment? Did he only have partial quotes? Like, because in many cases, he only quotes a little bit of it. He doesn't quote the whole thing, right? And in some cases, he quotes it, and it's not accurate, an accurate quote. You're like, wait, that's not... Remember in Ephesians, when he quoted from Ephesians, and he added that whole part? That's not there. So where did he get that from? He maybe had a manuscript, or there was a textual variant. We don't know. Oh, he does make lots of references. There's no question. Yeah, there's no question. But I'm just saying, he, he seems, like the, the verses you think he would quote, like actually about baptism, for the most part, he's not quoted. Remember, he spent most of his time quoting Genesis about water and Exodus instead of quoting verses that were actually about baptism. Because clearly how he's trying to argue, it's, you almost kind of feel bad for him. Because I've, I've seen those kind of arguments where, and you're just, you look at the believer and like, you should just stop now because you're making this so bad. And you almost kind of want to go to Tolly and go, just stop. Just stop, man. Because there's going to come a time in the future and everyone's going to be reading this and nobody's going to know what you're talking about. Okay, I don't know if you know what you're talking about because you've given us like 50 different ways of trying to approach baptism. Put it this way. I am not building my doctrine on baptism from Tertullian. Because if you were to build your, ba- your doctrine on... Just think about this. If you were to take everything that we've read from Tertullian and you were to go home tonight and write out your doctrine on baptism based on Tertullian, what would that look like? Would, would you agree it would be convoluted and contradictory? Because you would be telling me it's necessary. Well, it may not be necessary, but delay it, but don't delay it. But, I mean, if you do delay it, well, I mean, you don't sin if you get it, but, I mean, it washes away sin, but, I mean, it doesn't, like, he's all over the place. And I think that that's what I want us to embrace, is that when people claim the early church, they're not talking Tertullian. And clearly, they're, they're talking later. They're going to talk in the 300s on. But if you're going to, why would you just magically start in the 300s on? Why wouldn't you go back to earlier and show that there was a mess going on? There was a mess going on. All right, we'll stop. True. Right. Happened. And at the same time, he's seeming to make that, I mean, are they innocent all the way until they get married? I don't know. 
Okay, you're getting, you, I think Sarah's getting in trouble. Okay. <laughs> I think Sarah's getting some really bad looks right now. Okay, there's going to be some hands being thrown after Jerry. Okay. Okay, no, we don't want to ever read Tertullian on what? Anything ever again. But I know what she's saying. Maybe if we understood his, his view on salvation, but I, I personally, I think it would be just as convoluted. Because we know clearly he seems to be denying total depravity. Okay. And he comes really close to almost implying you can lose your salvation. <laughs> okay. So this is, this is a, a, a theological mess. All right, so let's pray. All right, Lord God, we come before you this evening. Lord, this is complicated stuff, but I'm grateful that we can try to work through it, try to have a little fun in the meantime and yet try to understand the confusion and how complicated things were in a per- that period of time. And hopefully we're more grateful for all the resources and tools that we have that they could never even dream of. And I hope that we would take advantage of those tools. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said.